The following program is a presentation of Grand Slam Ministries. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Dan Scott Show, presented, as you just heard, by Grand Slam Ministries. I am Dan. This is the 47th episode since we started this brand new venture, and boy, things just continue to roll right along. God keeps dropping fantastic guests one right after another uh, into our lap for this thing. Two weeks ago, Jay Warner Wallace, Lee Strobel last week, and we've got another great one for you this week. If you're a baseball fan, you may remember the name Randy Lurch, big, fast, left-handed pitcher in the 70s and 80s. Uh, he's got quite the story to tell, and he is our guest on this week's episode. You'll hear from him coming up in a moment. Last week, we welcomed KLNG in Omaha to the show family, and after we had put the show together and sent it off to our affiliates, things happened, and uh, we ended up adding three more radio stations and one more internet-only affiliate that all joined us last week, but we didn't get an opportunity to welcome them officially, so I'm going to do that Right now, Peace Radio, which is a, a contemporary music radio station, uh, and it's actually three radio stations, Williamson, West Virginia, which is my hometown, uh, Pikeville, Kentucky, Elkhorn City, Kentucky, all stations owned by Mountaintop Media out of Pikeville, Kentucky. They have joined on to our show family and actually started with us last weekend, so Welcome to all of you. I am incredibly excited, especially and a little nostalgic to be on my hometown radio station, the AM portion of the signal in Williamson, West Virginia. It's an AM-FM combo. The AM station is the radio station that I began my radio career on back in 1985, 38 years ago in December of that year. And I remember being there for a couple of weeks and going to a staff meeting one morning. And uh, the guy who was our midday guy, Joe Miller, never forget this. He asked me how things were going. And I told him, man, I'm just, I'm having a blast because I'm 18 years old and this is what I've wanted to do all my life. And he looked at me with a smile and he said, be careful. If this business ever gets in your blood, you'll never get it out. And man, was he right. Uh, it's been a labor of uh, love and a love-hate relationship, but it's uh, circled back around to uh, a love affair with the medium of radio, and uh, just incredibly grateful to be able to do what we're doing, have my hometown radio station on, the other stations from uh, Peace Radio on as well. And then we also added Cross Radio in Cape Town, South Africa, so our international footprint continues to grow. So all of you, welcome to the Dan Scott Show. I hope you are enjoying what you hear. And I'll just encourage you that if you have any questions or comments at all, you can email me, dan at danscottshow.org, dan at danscottshow.org. Tell you about some other ways you can contact us later on. But let's get to a break. Let's hear something from Grand Slam Ministries and then get into this interview 
with Randy Lurch right on the other side of this. Every day there are children who leave school on Friday and eat little and sometimes nothing until they come back to school on Monday. It happens in every community, including yours. Many of these children live in circumstances that deprive them of basic needs necessary for a quality life. At Grand Slam Ministries, we want to change that. We want to invest in our children, giving them hope for the future. That investment includes necessities such as food, clothing, school supplies, and a safe environment to play, to study, to live. Please visit our website, GrandSlamMinistries.org, to find out more about our ministry and how you can help. We're just getting started. Will you come alongside us for the children's sake? Again, that's GrandSlamMinistries.org. Want to see a listing of our affiliates? Check out videos or listen to past shows and explore our archives? It's all available at our website, DanScottShow.org. And now, back to the show. All right, we are back. Let's get things rolling on this 47th edition of the Dan Scott Show. Just a reminder that if you want to keep up with what we're doing, find out more about us, about our core missions that we're going to get in place once we're fully funded. Anything you want to know about this show or Grand Slam Ministry, simply go to danscottshow.org and you can find out everything there is to know about us. My bio is there. The Affiliates and Archives page can show you where the show is airing live on Saturdays and Sundays and then also allows you to access the archive where you can listen to past episodes. Randy Lurch, as I mentioned in the opening segment, was a big, fast, left-handed pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies primarily in the uh, mid to late 70s uh, and into early 1980. But uh, he pitched for some other clubs as well. Remember him very well growing up being a fan of the Reds, and, and you talk about two great teams during that era uh, it was some incredible baseball. Well, Randy had an alcohol problem that continued throughout his career and continued to plague him throughout his life. But what God has done in his life is nothing short of a miracle because he is living with cirrhosis of the liver. And as we open our conversation, that's the first place he takes us. Check it out. Well, first of all, Pastor Dan, it is a, it's an honor to be uh, on your show and, uh, I feel very grateful for you inviting me. So uh, I hope uh, I, I hope I can uh, can to do your show justice. Uh, what what I'm doing right now is uh, my best uh, since my uh, cirrhosis, liver cirrhosis diagnosis, uh, uh, about seven years ago when I'm I was in the midst of uh, uh, of a serious alcohol uh, morbidly. Uh, morbid alcohol problem and uh, was diagnosed with cirrhosis and uh, that day my uh, my doc my liver specialist put his arm around me and said you need a liver transplant uh, and uh, your uh, your situation is uh, you could go into liver failure uh, at any moment uh, God's spirit touched me and I I uh, I I Told him I didn't need a liver transplant, or I, I I didn't want a liver transplant because 
many times I was told uh, to stop drinking or it was going to kill me. And, and, uh, and I was at that day. Uh, so I felt like uh, we needed to give the liver to someone that didn't uh, do what I did. And, uh, you know, God took it from there. And where I'm at right now is uh, at that time I was day to day. Uh, that was seven years ago. And in the meantime, uh, I've done everything that uh, the doctors uh, have told me to do by, uh, you know, the way I eat. Uh, I, the day I was diagnosed uh, by a phone call uh, after 40 years of, uh, of abusing alcohol, I, uh, I, I stopped cold turkey after seeing the tears running down my, my wife Maria's face. And she said, uh, don't leave me. And I said, well, I won't. And, you know, and, and God be willing. So since then, uh, uh, I'm a, I'm a miracle. I'm a walking miracle. And, and, uh, uh, I, like I said, I quit drinking and now, uh, God has allowed me to uh, write my book, uh, God in the Bullpen, two years after I was diagnosed. And the doctor telling me, it looks like you're doing good enough to not uh, be told you're you're going to uh, die today. But I was told I have more time. Uh, I still have cirrhosis. I'm still terminal, but uh, I'm not day today. And so I, I like to say that I, uh, when I, when, when my doctor told me, uh, it looks like you've been given more time. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to climb the highest mountain, scream, thank you, God. And, uh, and be able to tell my story, uh, of what alcohol drugs and alcohol can do to you, uh, and what God has done, uh, uh, to give me more time and, and to save me, uh, from this horrible disease. So, what I'm doing right now after writing my book, God in the Bullpen, over four years ago, um, listening to my doctors uh, and doing the best I can uh, to share my story and looking for different ways like uh, uh, your your great show is uh, being on the show and, and to be able to share my story to help others is what I'm doing right now. And, and my health, I'm, I'm day to day and, and uh, it's in God's hands. That that's a, a sports sports terminology right there, day to day, because as we know, we're all day to day, right? In, in a in a in a big sense, we are. Um, when you and I connected a couple of months ago, and you sent me a copy of your book, God in the Bullpen: The Randy Lurch Story, and and the subtitle is a big leaguer's battle with drugs and alcohol addiction and cirrhosis, and it was written co-written by Harold Lurch, no relation to you, and that's another story perhaps we'll get into in a bit. But you sent me the book, I was able to read it, and I, I remember you asking me what I thought about it, and, and my response to you was, I admired the fact that you didn't hold anything back in the book when it came to your, not just your baseball career in the big leagues, which we'll get to, but your, your struggle with alcohol, drugs, the, the problems that it caused in your family life. You didn't hold anything back in the book. And, and to me, that's key because if you're not willing to bear your soul in something like this, it's not going to have the desired effect. And, and obviously, God is using this in a way that 
is bringing him glory and helping other people because you were willing to be vulnerable and open. And that's truly the way I felt about it because uh, uh, the, the, the book it started out in, in, in stages. Uh, we talked earlier and we'll probably get into it how I came about to write the book. But uh, 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 my uh, you know, co-author, uh, Hal Lurch, uh, we didn't know how we were going to do it. He wanted to be a, a ghostwriter. And uh, I found out that there's just no way the emotion that was involved and what it was going to take to tell the story the right way uh, by me giving him notes and then him trying to uh, put down on paper uh, what I was trying to tell him. So uh, we went with that and that wasn't working. And, and, you know, me having no computer skills or nothing, uh, I just started praying. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, 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 I said, Oh Lord, please help me. Please guide me because it would be a, a test thing. Right. I, I grabbed my iPad <laughs> and how it told me, uh, you know, just speak into this thing. Well, I found that you know, that wasn't going to work because it didn't totally put down what I was trying to, uh, that I was telling it. There was all these words. And then finally I got frustrated with it. And I said, well, you know, let me, let me write it. And then I'll send it to you uh, because he, he is a Christian writer. And uh, he, he said, then I'll, you know, I'll edit it and we'll go from there. And that's how it started. So it started with me, First of all, asking God to to guide me uh, how we were going to do this, and then uh, and then it came to where I was doing the hunt and peck thing they call about on my iPad, uh, and uh, and then I would send it to Hal. And I mean, let me tell you, it was rough, I, but I knew when to stop. As uh, people uh, that uh, have way more computer skills than me, when my when my iPad would slow down, I knew it was time to shut up and send it to him right and so <laughs> i uh i ended up uh i would do that and i'd send it to him and and like i said it was it was pretty rough but you know he would put uh put the words you know swap them around put them together and uh and it, it started where i was just going to write it uh where uh it was just going to talk about the alcoholism and and debate you know baseball, my alcoholism in baseball, and then how bad it got uh, after I retired. And uh, and then I started thinking, well, this, why, why don't I go ahead and, and start from the beginning of my, uh, my upbringing, how I became to be a major league baseball player. People would be interested in that. And then as things progressed, I, I thought, well, you know, I know a lot of stories that are untold stories, uh, Tug McGraw's stories, Steve Carlton's stories, people, you know, the 23-22 game. And so I started implementing that, and it started flowing in there. And I, it took me a year, uh, Dan, and and, uh, and I never, never wrote one day without being in prayer first and asking God for guidance. And uh, he started he started uh, things started coming to my mind that i i actually had no idea i mean i of course knew i did it but i had long forgotten them and as the story progressed it started started flowing that way and so we went through uh 
you know, the start my childhood, but uh, how I had the great idea of how I how I started into the alcoholism, the greenies. And then he, so he started it to get people's uh, uh, interest and it flip flopped into my childhood. And we just started flowing. And believe it or not, Hal kept saying, man, you're starting to get it. I <laughs> said, well, I better. It's almost been a year, you know, so. But uh, uh, we, we went ahead and did that, and, and uh, you know, the rest is history. We're visiting with uh, former big leaguer Randy Lurch on this week's edition of the Dan Scott Show. Um, let's, uh, let, let's go back. When did you fall in love with the game of baseball? I, I fell in love with baseball uh, when I was just a little boy, uh, always – always loved uh, uh you know saw the, the big leaguers uh, on the tv but i remember distinctly uh it was kind of like a ritual for my dad and i to uh he was my dad was a uh, a, a big baseball fan actually a semi play a semi pro baseball player and and uh, uh we were laying watching the game of the week i man, i don't know tony kubek joe garagiola mm-hmm. whoever you know Something like that, and and uh, I'm laying on the floor. He's in his easy chair uh, behind me, and somebody did something, made a play. I said, "Oh wow!" You know, I said, uh, "Dad, are those guys any good?" And he had a, a grin, chuckle, and, and says, "Hey," he says, "Randy, all those guys are good." He goes, "I want to do that." I said, "I want to do that someday," and so from that point on. Uh, as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a Major League Baseball player. When did you have your initial encounter with Christ? Because th- this is a recurring theme throughout your entire story uh, and, and, and the ultimate redemption. But, but when was your first experience uh, with, with, with Christ and, and giving your life to him? I, I love his story. It kind of just gave me goosebumps because uh, I, I must have had uh, just a special place in my heart for Jesus because uh, my mom and dad, we, I, I have uh, uh, two other brothers and sister. I was the oldest. And uh, uh, the, 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 somebody, I forget that, I guess it was Britannica encyclopedias, uh, came by and my mom and dad thought that that would be a great thing for the the children to have and and to uh, to have for their upbringing and for their schooling back in the day and uh, I was flipping through the pages and and I saw uh, you know, I'll cry thinking about it I saw uh, Jesus being crucified and uh, and it just did to me what it's doing to me right now yeah. Uh, yeah. It broke my heart, and uh, and from that day on, I loved Jesus. And then my mama was uh, a Christian at the uh, local Baptist church. Uh, I tell stories of how uh, she was uh, she was baptized, and we watched her uh, being baptized, and she was in her a, a white gown. And uh, yeah, I tell the story of how she looked like an angel that day, and and. Uh, it's funny how my my brothers and sisters uh, aren't followers, but I just I peeled off, and of course I had my uh, my sinful ways as I was growing up. But uh, you know, God never let me go. So, 
that that kind of leads into to the next question. You didn't grow up in a in a Christian home with with a great deal of Christian influence, then. No, I didn't. My my father was actually an atheist, and I, I talk about it in the book that that he actually made fun of mom as she was loading the car, uh, the kids in the car. Uh, and taking us off to church. And I can't imagine how difficult it was for her, you know, to have her husband uh, to make fun of her when she was taking her children to church. But, you know, she persevered. And and, and she, my mom was uh, uh, a follower till the day she died of, of Louis Body Dimension at 83 years old, about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Maria and I, uh, my wife Maria and I always tell we we're gonna see, we're gonna see Mama again someday. That's for sure. But she uh, she persevered and and uh, you know I remember uh, she would come and visit us and she knew how much I loved Jesus and she would always uh, sit next to me and she goes, "Oh Randy, tell me about Jesus." You know, and of course they have my mother who was was the one that that led me that direction uh you know she uh i couldn't wait and uh you know so i you know i love talking about jesus to my mama till the day she died that's that's outstanding so we've talked about how you fell in love with baseball we've talked about how you met jesus and then there's this other aspect of your story and i don't want to say that you fell in love with alcohol but there's a beginning of that story as well do, do you remember your first drink do you remember the genesis of the of what became the, the big issue in your life for 40 years i i sure do i uh what's amazing is is if there was a goody two-shoes on our high school baseball team it was me um you know the, at that age uh, a lot of the kids go off and you know go and have their beers and do their party and and, and i just couldn't stand it and uh not until I, uh, uh, you know, I was drafted when I was barely 18 years old by the Philadelphia Phillies and went off to play in Auburn, New York. And, and uh, even in those days, uh, uh, I wasn't a big drinker. I remember I, I tell a story after my, the year was over. Uh, I ended up nine and two uh, as, a, as a kid in, uh, in single A ball and, and the, all the college kids got together and decided we were going to party before everybody left. And, and I, I remember I got super drunk on uh, these things called Harvey wall bangers. I like the taste of them, man, but you talk about deathly sick, you know, on my plane uh, ride back from, from New York, I remember I couldn't even lift my head off my seat for five, for the five hours uh, until I got home. So I wasn't a drinker and uh, it's amazing. Once, uh, once I got to the big leagues, uh, uh, I was around a lot of uh, uh, a lot of the players that, that I uh, on the Phillies in those days were had been in the big leagues quite a while, and the starting pitchers had their uh, routine, which I was a starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. To where you know you uh, you you got ready to pitch, but in the meantime, you know every fifth day you pitched, but uh, you went out and had your beers and stuff like that, and a lot of times too many. And, uh, you know, the guys uh, wanted me to be a part of that, uh, that deal. And I had, uh, I made the, I made, in 1977, I made the Phillies. I actually pitched 26 scoreless innings in, in, uh, in spring training, hit a home run. And, and uh, 
and made the team as the the first uh, the third uh, uh, in the line of five uh, starting pitchers and uh, and I had one of the players after I, I went uh, five or six and two uh, my first games in the big leagues and uh, I beat San Francisco Giants Los Angeles Dodgers I beat some real good teams and and I had. I was getting ready to pitch in Houston and had one of my teammates who was a very successful uh, starting pitcher uh, tell me, he says, well, you know, I, I want to give you some advice, uh, you know, and he had these greenies in his hand, amphetamines, and told me that I'll never be successful unless I take these. And I remember that I was, uh, I always got super, super nervous, almost to the point where I was nauseous before I would start. But that was, that was something that was uh, uh, that helped me because it made me careful out there. It made me pitch out there, and it also gave me a lot of adrenaline to, uh, to you know, to throw really hard, be at my best. And but I, I tried what he said. I, I took one of the greenies, and and uh, I found that those made me feel super confident. But they took away that anxiety, and uh, but it also made me feel like I was so much better than the guy I was pitching against, which you should. But you also should know that he could hurt you if you don't pitch against him uh, well, hit the spots and stuff. And and I went up and uh, pitched against the Houston Astros after taking uh, the Greenies, and and I gave up back to back to back home runs. Uh, I was a mess. But boy, did I like the way I felt out there. So, uh, and also I liked the way it felt because in order to sleep that night, uh, I drank lots and lots of alcohol uh, that, you know, was made it able for me to sleep. And, you know, I, I feel like I was, should have, probably I was taking dummy pills too because I, I didn't realize uh, the, the dumbness in me as a kid to realize that what that did is that was the start of, uh, of me doing something disastrous. Uh, I have a left-handed pitcher that threw 96 miles, 97 miles an hour, 95, uh, around that, that area. Uh, a kid that was so much talent, it took that all away. And, and uh, you know, it was, uh, and I, the point is I, I just kept, because I liked the feeling, uh, I took those greenies and, and started drinking more and more and more alcohol to the end of my, uh, my career in 1986. What is interesting about your story and the era in which you played, and it goes back even before your era, because I'm a huge baseball fan, have been all my life, love the history of the game. So I've read both of Jim Brosnan's books and, of course, read Jim Bouton's book, Ball Four, and every update that he did on that multiple times. And when Brosnan was writing about his seasons in 1959 and 1961, the prevailing theme when he wasn't on the mound was going out and drinking with the boys and taking what they called bombers, which was the greenies. And Bouton's book, Ball Four, it was going out and drinking with the boys, and it was the greenies and trying to figure out how to get them because I think by that time Major League Baseball had tried to start clamping down on them a little bit it just was part of the lifestyle of a Major League Baseball player, and I'm not offering that as an excuse. That's just what it is. And I can just imagine the peer pressure that a young, impressionable 
kid who's coming into the big leagues must have been under to do what all these other successful players are doing. I, to, to, to say no to that would have taken some great internal fortitude. Exactly. And, and, you know, it wasn't just the starting pitchers. It was, you know, the, the everyday pitchers, the ones that pitchers, the everyday players, the ones that really needed them. Um, you know, it was a long haul season, 162 games. And I remember one of the sayings was, is, you know, uh, if you got them, take them, if you need them, get them, you know, and, and even before the, uh, they tried to put a damper on, uh, taking the amphetamines, uh, they actually used to have, uh, greenies. And then before that, they called it red juice on the trainer's table. And they were right there uh, for you to take because it wasn't a no-no in those days. And, you know, I, I know that uh, once I took the greenies, it made me feel invisible, inv invincible. Yeah. <laughs> I was invisible, too, probably. <laughs> and then, uh, and then you know, I, I just what it did is it, you know, you could you could drink tons and tons of alcohol and then uh, it would keep you could stay up all night long. And then if you had a bad hangover the next day, all you did is take a, take a greenie and, and, and go to the ballpark. So it was, it was just basically, it, it just snowballed. And uh, if someone, now I look back on it uh, with uh, my family history of alcoholism, you know, I'm sure I had the gene and uh, by God's great grace, uh, you know, I'm I'm still here after, and boy, I'll tell you, I, you know, as you, you we might touch in the book, but I, uh, you know, it'd be through you know the re rehabs and near death experience and and all that stuff. Uh, I think I'm here for a reason, Dan, to uh, to share my story and to help others. Well, you know, the the one thing that that just kind of struck me a moment ago is as we were getting ready to do this and, and your story because I was looking at something. Uh, in, in the book right before you, you popped on the Zoom call with me. And, and it, it talked about, I think it was on one of Hal Lurch's author's notes, but it talked about how every time you stumbled and fall or stumbled and fell, God was there when you asked for forgiveness and he picked you up and then the, the cycle would start over again. And I thought, man, this sounds an awful lot like the, the Israelites in 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 the Old Testament, how they they would stray from God and God would bring judgment on them and they would they would repent and He would restore them and then the cycle would start over again, over and over and over. I mean, people, if they read this book, there are so many opportunities. If God wanted to say to Randy Lurch, "That's it, I've had enough of you," there were plenty of opportunities for him to do that, but he never did. Exactly. And, you know, uh, it's funny, Maria and I talk about it, uh, about exactly that. You mean God's stiff necked people, right? Right. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, uh, we've talked about, you know, uh, kind of like uh, the Israelites where I just didn't get it. But I look back on it. Uh, things in, in the book, it was only about uh, me talking about my alcoholism and stuff. But there was so much more uh, in the journey of near-death experiences. And looking back on it, I, I truly believe that this was God's way of getting me ready for what I'm doing right now. Because I feel, uh, with the exception of a, of a few things, that uh, the, uh, the trials and tribulations I've been through 
that now I can I can sit in front of many people or one, uh, two, whatever, and you know whatever issue comes up, uh, you know I'll be able to say I've done that, I've been there, and uh, you know first of all I'm going to tell them. Uh, first of all, you need to uh, to realize that, that the only way you're going to get rid of that, uh, you know, be able to uh, to to get through your your terrible addiction is by the love of God. And uh, I tried that too. I tried to do everything on my own, so I could explain that to someone else. I could explain what it's like to lose your family, what it's like to lose everything you ever had, and uh, to sit with someone. And first of all. To, to share God's love and and uh, and that's what I'm doing right now, Dan. I'm just looking for opportunities to to share with more. Randy Lurch joining us, uh, former uh, big league pitcher. Um, you're you're a a bit older than me. Uh, I, I graduated high school in 1985, so my baseball education growing up was was the 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 70s. In 80s, I was an eight-year-old that fell in love with the Big Red Machine in 1975. So that's the generation I became a fan in. And I remember this left-hander for the Philadelphia Phillies named Randy Lurch as, as, uh, you know, the Reds would be on the radio and I'd hear Marty Brenneman doing the game and, and, and talking about Randy Lurch is on the mound today. The pinnacle for any professional athlete is to get to play in and win a world championship. And in 1980, the Phillies, with by the way, with the help of uh, Pete Rose, we, we don't want to let that go, who had signed right, had signed a uh, free agent uh, the, the year before after leaving the Reds, the Phillies got there. A- and it was a huge moment in, in Philadelphia sports history. But it's a moment that you didn't get to experience because you were left off the postseason roster. So here, here's the thing that is the pinnacle for an athlete and it's right there within your grasp and, and in, in God's providence. And we can talk about what that's like looking back, I guess, but you didn't get, you didn't get to grasp the golden ring. I, I mean, I, what, what, I, was, what was that like at that moment? Yeah, first of all, shout out to your big red machine boy, <laughs> you know, Rose bench, uh, you know, Morgan could go on and on. Right. But, uh, that that was some of the most heartbreaking things of of my uh, uh, of my life. Uh, Dallas Green and I didn't get along at all, the manager. But also, I earned that right. I started out uh, uh, in 1978. I hit two home runs uh, against the Pittsburgh Pirates with uh, four games left in the season. Uh, uh, but when I started that game, we had a, a one-game lead with two left in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh was on a roll. And I ended up uh, giving up a grand slam to Willie Stargell in the uh, in the first inning, and then I hit two home runs uh, of my own, and uh, it led the, the Phillies to the win. So my point, well, the reason for saying that is that I was a, a very center part of that uh, Phillies pitching staff, mm-hmm. uh, 1979. Uh, I was 10 and 13, but with a 370 earned run average, and I think I pitched 215 or 20 innings or something like that. Which will be so worth about really tw- on- which will be worth about 22 million dollars a year these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Left-handed, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but then, uh, so I was uh, I was looked on by the Phillies. I started out the year uh, really, really good, 
1980, and and then uh, I just uh, I I just floundered and floundered. I ended up four and fourteen. Uh, we had some young. I had, we had Dickie Knowles and uh, uh, Marty Bystrom come up. Uh, Bob Walk come up, and uh, it was a good a good reason for Dallas Green to uh, leave me off the roster. I remember the day that, that Herm Sturrett told me, the pitching coach told me that I wasn't going to be on uh, uh, on the playoffs uh, team. We, did, of course, we didn't know we were going to make it to the World Series. Uh, I was so heartbroken uh, because it was just such a shock to me. Uh, but they told me, "Well, you can, you know." Uh, Little did I know, my ego, my pride. I basically told the Phillies where to, they could do with it. And uh, you know, in these days now, the, the guys uh, actually travel with the team. They said you can travel with the team, you can be a part of the team, and a whole bit. My my ego, my hurt was so bad that I told them, no, I don't want to be a part of it. Um, I remember when uh, the Phillies beat uh, Houston. When Pete made that uh, that catch, when it jumped out of Bob Boone's glove mm-hmm. and he caught it and they won it. And one of the things I was close to Tug McGraw and he said how much he missed me being there. And, you know, again, I could have been there. I got a full I got a full, uh, I got a, uh, a full share in those days. It was thirty five thousand, believe it or not, uh, for winning the World Series. And and. Uh, and uh, but I uh, the hurt that went along with it, I got a trophy, I got a ring, a whole bit, you know, you know, the, all the other stuff that goes with it, except for being there. And and that was the greatest hurt of my life. And, and one of no, one of the greatest right. hurts of my life. And, and yet, years later, they invited you back for a a reunion celebration, and 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 you went back. Did that ease any of that? The, any of those ill feelings at all? It did because I wasn't going to go there. And uh, it was, again, uh, the, the hurt was so deep. I mean, it was, I made sure that I went uh, when they were playing in Philadelphia, uh, when they were playing the Royals. I, I sat in the stands, uh, you know, sometimes tears rolling down my cheeks, wishing I was part of that. You know, I saw the team run out there, the celebration. And, uh, you know, the, the terrible pain that went with it. The reason I went there is to make sure that, that I never let that happen to me again. Mm-hmm. You know, that, don't, you know, make sure you're out there and you're doing the things you should be doing uh, to, to, you know, to qualify to be on that team. It, it was hurtful. You know, there, there's so much in this book and, and we, we could go on for forever but I actually would like for people to buy a copy of it so we don't want to tell them every single thing <laughs> that's in it. But it, it, there's just a, a, a pattern. You, you, you mentioned it a moment ago, losing everything you had, and you had some former teammates who stepped up to help you out financially when you were going through some of those times. You, you had the opportunity to go play in the old senior professional baseball league down in Florida back in what, the late 80s and early 90s, I believe, and, and – and fell right back into those old habits and those old patterns. And I've experienced this in my own life when it comes to the grip that sin has on you, Randy. You can have seasons, short seasons of success. With me, it was alcohol, not quite to to your extent, but pornography, infidelity, all of those other things that I battled for so long. And I swore at times I would never do it again. And I would have a little bit of success, and then the devil yanks you right back into exactly. it. Um, 
that was a pattern that consistently repeated itself in your life. You, you, you would stumble, you would fall, God would pick you back up, he would provide people to help you, you would have small seasons of success, but the, the, the pull of, of that alcohol, the pull of, of sin, let's call it what it is, was so strong that, that humanly speaking, you just can't break those bonds, can you? You, you can't break those bonds, and, and the, the sin is so great. And then uh, one of the things that, that I do share when, when I talk to people is the power of, of addiction. You know, I mean, the, the devil uh, through the, the alcohol is constantly ta- talking to you, oh, well, you can do this. You, you're cured now. Uh, I talk about this a lot in the book. I mean, I, I went and I was uh, I was attacked by a 170-pound Great Pyrenees dog and ripped apart. And spent, uh, I actually had him at the top of my uh, arm bone. I forget the name. <laughs> uh, torn right off. Uh, I almost bled to death. Uh, I was on the, the operating table along with uh, running my car off of a side hill, hitting a tree. Uh, it, it goes on and on. And... Uh, I, I now look back on this as we do uh, when 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 God has, has healed us from this addiction and and take it taken and wrapped his arm around us and just filled us full of his spirit. Uh, I, I I look back on it and and I just realize that these things I went through was for a reason because the thing that stopped me uh, finally was when I got that phone call. Uh, that you have cirrhosis and that, you know, I knew what cirrhosis meant. I knew it was a death sentence. At that time, I was carrying an extra 80 pounds of fluid on me. My, I couldn't even sit in my car. Uh, my precious wife, Maria, looked at me with tears rolling down her face when we found out that, that, uh, that I had cirrhosis. And as we, as we sat together, held each other on my, my, my easy chair, she looked up and she says, don't leave me. And and uh, as I was crying, uh, it just, I, I guess that's what it took for God to say, look at, uh, I, I, I almost killed you with a dog, the car, and all these other things. And you know what? You didn't get it. So let's, let's try it. Why don't you try out cirrhosis for a little while here and for the rest of your life? And, you know. And now it's given me time to glorify him. So, so inside of that, then, when did your relationship with Christ finally become real? Because he'd been trying to get your attention and trying to get your attention and trying to get your attention. And now, as you said, in effect, you're handed a death sentence. So when, when, did, when did the relationship with Christ finally become real? I can say it... it, it I would call it real, but I was still in, in drinking way too much. Mm-hmm. I, I knew more than got out of my rehab uh, and hadn't drank for the first time in 30 days because they had me locked up. <laughs> and and, uh, and I got on a plane and what we always did when I was in the big leagues is we, you know, we, we had our cocktails when we, when we were flying and I hadn't drank in 30 days. And, and uh, here comes the Bloody Marys early in the morning and, I think I had about 20 of them before I, uh, I got back to California that day. But I had uh, I had stopped enough to be able to, because uh, I had to find a job. Major League Baseball uh, and Tug McGraw and uh, Larry Christensen, they had helped me, but they helped me with some finances, but that was never enough and wasn't going to last forever. And, 
even though I was insane from the drinking, I, I found a job uh, with the company as a, you know, as a, a backhoe operator, uh, a company that I worked my way up to, uh, to a management position uh, to where I was making over six figures. And then I was still drinking my alcohol but was uh, you know i i was uh what do they call it i maintained uh, uh my you know my my job and my life but i was still a drunk and until i i did that uh but every single day i was in prayer i i loved jesus to the point uh where you know i knew is you know he was my my savior my my redeemer but when i finally finally uh, uh just really let gave myself all the way uh was seven years ago mm -hmm. when uh when when uh, god saved me from from the uh you know all the alcohol and and the cirrhosis yeah isn't it interesting sometimes what it takes uh and and i've done so many of these interviews with people who you know had had the relationship with christ from the time they were a small child and and have had different things happen and some who came to christ later in life in, in, in some ways you and I have a similar story from the standpoint of for me it was the point where my behavior was about to cost me everything everything that I had more importantly everyone that I loved my wife my daughters all of that that's when I realized what in the world are you doing and, and that's when I made my my commitment to Christ 11 and a half years ago he will use anything that it takes to get our attention, won't he? And and with you, it was cirrhosis. It was. It, it was the cirrhosis, and and every time I go and see my liver specialist, he just shakes his uh, his head and says, "You're not supposed to be here." <laughs> but uh, you know that's that that's not what God's plan was. You know, I'm I'm one one day at a time, and you know through he used uh, my love of my wife Maria. Uh, and, and we, our relationship with Christ has just grown. We, we, uh, what's so cool is, you know, we, we worship together. Uh, uh, we go, you know, obviously go to church together and, and we've, we've grown, uh, with, with our walk every single day. And, you know, I look back then, uh, you know, that was his plan. Mm -hmm. And now I'm excited you know, doing shows like yours and, and, and getting out, like, just like the other day, uh, you know, I'll do AA meetings and stuff like that. My AA is, is, uh, you know, uh, doing what I do by helping others, but I just walked, went down and found another rehab place. And I got, I love to hand the books to go to common ground where we, uh, where Marie and I, uh, we help the homeless and stuff like that. And people that have alcoholism and, uh, God told me, you know, uh, you know, these people can't afford to buy this book. So, you know, hand them a, if they've got a San Francisco giant hat on or, <laughs> you know, uh, go get one of your Giants baseball cards. Ask them, I, you know, I, here's your San Francisco Giants card. And, and oh, by the way, uh, you might like my book, too. Only about two or three minutes left. Um, God is obviously extended your time on this earth for a reason and and, and you, you just touched on it and you're you're getting an opportunity to tell your story and 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 share that that story now what is the the central message that 
you want people to understand when you get a chance to talk to them? If, if they don't hear anything else that you say, what's the one point that you want to drive home? That, uh, that we, there's no way that we can make it in this world, especially the way it is uh, now without, without God or Jesus Christ in your life. And my message to the alcoholics is I've tried every single way to do it on my own and without God's help. Forget it. You you need to walk with him and let him do the rest. Do do, do you find that the kids used to use the the phrase street cred? I don't know if they do anymore or not. But do you find that you've got that that credibility when you go into these facilities and and talk with people? Not just because you're Randy Lurch, former big league ball player, which has some attraction to it, but because you've been in their shoes, are they more apt to listen? to what you have to say than they are somebody else coming in and, and preaching to them? Absolutely. And and I feel like I've walked the walk and I'm talking the talk now. So, you know, it, it's not, it's like somebody that never played in the big leagues, try to tell somebody what it's like to do that. Well, I've been there and I know what it feels like. And I know what you have to do uh, to get yourself, uh, get yourself, let's put it free, clean right. and sober. Absolutely. Who was the toughest hitter you faced? You want me to say a Cincinnati Red? No, I want you. I, I, I want. <laughs> no, I want no, you to say who no. it was. I'm going to tell. No, no, I'm being. I uh, actually, uh, I'll tell you a story of Pete Rhodes. I, uh, uh, I when my, with the Reds, I couldn't get Pete out. And Jim Longberg, who was a uh, a long time, you know, he won the Cy Young with the uh, uh, Boston Red Sox, and yeah. Lonnie was a, a starter with the Phillies. I said, great guy. So, you know, I said, Lonnie, I said, you know, how do you get Rhodes out? I said. You know, I, everything I do, I said, he, he hits it. He just hits it wherever it's pitched or whatever. And he said, you know what? I figured out how to get him out. He says, throw it right down the middle. And he said, let him hit the heck out of it. <laughs> and he said, usually he'll hit it so hard, he always hits it to somebody instead of just serving it where he wants it for a hit. So it was Pete Rose. Well, you know, you know the, the, uh, the other side of that, years ago, uh, I, I had the opportunity to interview Randy Jones. Uh, former Cy right, Young right. Award winner, and, and Randy probably couldn't break a plane of glass with his fastball. But he told the story about Pete Rose. He, he said that Rose could not hit him. And, and everybody knows Pete is a, is a switch hitter. He said Pete got so frustrated that, and Randy was a left-hander, he said that Pete actually tried to hit him left-handed instead of hitting against, him, hitting against him right-handed. Because he couldn't get him, he couldn't get a hit off of him, and, and Randy's just dying laughing the whole time he's telling this story. So he got two extremes: you couldn't get him out, and 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 Randy, uh, Randy had no trouble getting him out. Randy Jones, all those years ago. Well, that's called that's called respect. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, I, I can't tell you how much I, I appreciate you. Uh, spending some time and, and I know we've been working on this for a couple of months and, and you've been going through some things with your health. So please don't think that, that I don't have a great appreciation for you carving out this time for me and, and your willingness to share your story, I, I think is going, and it, it already has in, in your world where you live, but I think bringing it here to our audience, I think it's going to have an effect on so many people because I, I'm friends with, two specifically two former alcoholics who were into the into the lifestyle big time 
who now both are in ministry to other alcoholics. They're going to love this story. They're going to love this interview. Oh, great, great. So it, it, it's, it's going to have an impact beyond what you could even imagine. And it's all because your willingness to be open. And, and I thank you so much. You know, this is, I believe this is all in God's plan because you know what, uh, being on your show has been a real honor, buddy. And, and I follow you. I was, I was telling you earlier before we came on that, you know, I, I just think that you're just doing a wonderful job and, and, uh, and praise to God on that one. We all need to praise God every day, but you can tell by that conversation with Randy Lurch that he is pretty much in full-time praise mode right now. Perhaps some would look at it as living on borrowed time, but I tend to think that, as always, God is right on time. Randy Lurch, thank you again for your time. The book, one more time, is called God in the Bullpen, and you can contact him on Facebook. Uh, there's actually a page for the book as well as his public figure page, or you can check uh, Amazon or any of the other places where books are sold. Normally, we would take a break, but the interview went a little longer than we normally go, so we're just going to go right into wrap-up mode here. Coming up over the course of the next couple of weeks, and I'm not exactly sure what order these will be in, but I have interviewed Bobby Richardson already, the Yankee great, who, uh, you believe this, he has been a Christian for 80 years. He's 88 years old. He's still going strong, speaking, uh, doing all kinds of different things, and I just had a delightful conversation with him and learned about some folks that I was not expecting to hear had given their life to Christ. I knew about Mickey Mantle, but there are some other ones that I did not know about. And then, unfortunately, we had a deputy here in the upstate of South Carolina who was shot just this week uh, that I'm recording this show. And um, there's already been a miracle happen there. And the sheriff of Oconee County, Mike Crenshaw, is going to be on a, an edition of the program. Maybe next week. It may be the week after. Listen, have a great day. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. We'll see you again next week. I'm Dan Scott. God bless you. So long, everybody. 